0: Hey everybody, welcome back to PWG's Well Chat Podcast. You are here with Dr. Nikki and...
1: Dr. Eileen.
0: This is an educational series. Please take what feels useful to you, but do not make any changes before checking in with your own healthcare provider. Okay, we are kicking off nutrition part two because nutrition is a giant topic, right, Dr. Eileen? So much to say. Okay, Uh, let's start off with some of the nuts and bolts, the key players. One of the questions... I get a lot, and I'm sure you get a lot, is this whole business about vitamins and minerals and, and all that stuff. Supplements. Um, how about this? How about we run through like a laundry list of the most common ones, and then we can do some deeper dives later on. Does that sound good to you? Yeah,
1: that sounds great.
0: Okay. So <laughs> this is reaching back into my biochemistry past. Vitamins are substances that are needed for your body to grow and develop normally but they're not made by the body there are 13 vitamins that you absolutely positively need a your b vitamins just for giggles do you know what the b vitamins are
1: well, they have names and then they, they have do. numbers. They and do. I always, I, I am ashamed to admit that I don't always don't. remember like B6 is this and B12 is that. And don't I, be ashamed. Even I have to look that up. But yeah, me th- too. I know they're really important. So need to refresh my memory.
0: Thiamine, riboflavin, niacin, pentothenic acid, biotin, vitamin B6, vitamin B12, and folate. I think they roll off the tongue beautifully, don't you?
1: Make up a song.
0: A vitamin C, D, E, and K. So that rounds... All the 13 vitamins. You can usually get the vitamins you need from a reasonably well-balanced diet unless you're following a specialized eating plan, i.e. vegetarian or vegan diets. And we're going to go into those in detail later on. The vitamins themselves are two categories. Did you know that? Yes, I did. Water-soluble and non-water-soluble or fat-soluble. What is the difference, you say? (laughs) Well, water-soluble vitamins uh, can be dissolved in water. What's important for us is you can usually tolerate higher doses of these without bad side effects because essentially whatever you don't use, your body gets rid of, you void it out, which is a fancy way of saying you pee them So your water-soluble ones, C, vitamin C, the B-complex, thiamine, which is B1, riboflavin, which is B2, niacin, which is B3, pantothenic acid, which is B5, vitamin B6, which I don't know why it doesn't have a name, but it just doesn't, vitamin B7, which is biotin, folic acid, which is B9, vitamin B12, and vitamin A in the form of beta-carotene. All of these are water-soluble, and you also have to take them every day. Then you have the fat-soluble vitamins. These get absorbed and stored in your fat, and they're better absorbed when you eat a little fat with, or fat-containing foods with these vitamins. They also tend to be most abundant in high fat foods. And what what the most the, the most common ones are A, D, E and K.
1: So, so if they're fat soluble, does that mean that those are riskier to have in high amounts compared to water yes. soluble vitamins? Yes.
0: Good question. Yes. So theoretically when you read about bad side effects from mega doses of vitamins you're you're usually talking about the fat soluble ones uh i think it's a little out of the scope it's not my intention to scare people with the stories of the bad things that can happen but be aware that for the fat soluble vitamins like a d e and k uh, there there is such a thing as too much of a good thing so some of the doses that are popular in the adult world may not translate well in the kids world so what do they do? And again, this is a really quick list. Vitamin A in carrots, maintaining your vision. Uh, the main dietary version is retinol, and it's usually found either in animal source foods or beta-carotene like carrots, kale, and spinach. The animal source foods are liver, fish-to-liver oil, and butter, of all things.
1: I have a good question for you. Yeah, do you, you always have good Do you ever see any of your little patients that have orange palms? yes.
0: And well, actually, the question comes up that the family thinks the kiddo is jaundiced because the skin looks a little bit orange. And then the trick, and this is a trick, is look at the whites of their eyes. And if the whites of your eyes are okay, then it's likely not a big, bad, scary thing, but more that they went on a health kick and they're only eating carrots and sweet potatoes. That's lots of orange vegetables. Yeah, no, that's a good one. Okay, B complex energy formation which is a big thing for us humans. Only B12 is limited to animal sourced foods. The rest of the B complex can be found in vegetables, nuts, enriched grains, or whole grains. Vitamin C is an antioxidant. You need it to make collagen. It's also important immune function, i.e. when you're fighting off a cold or you don't want to get sick, vitamin C is usually what everybody turns to. Main sources: is fruits and vegetables. Vitamin D is bone health. It's another antioxidant, and it also regulates your immune system. I think there was some data in the adult world a few years ago that vitamin D was important,
1: right? Yes, although I don't think we have sufficient data to say what is really the, the accurate dose for different age groups for vitamin D. There are some minimum levels for it, but I think there has been a lot of in, uh, attention given to vitamin D. and. Some of it is probably accurate, but I think we're attributing too many f- things to vitamin D.
0: I think you're right. Um, you, Um Everyone should know that the American Academy of Pediatrics recommends a certain amount of vitamin D for all children. Way back when, in the dark ages when I started, it was usually just for kids who were living in areas that didn't get a lot of sunlight. But like Dr. Eileen said, that has definitely changed over time. Vitamin E is an antioxidant that protects against premature aging and damage with free radicals. You can get that one with vegetable oil, seeds, and nuts. Vitamin K is important. It helps with blood clotting, and it also supports bone health. You can get that in plant foods and animal dry foods and fermented soy products. So those are the vitamins in a nutshell. Minerals are used to keep your bones, muscles your heart and your brain working well you also need a tiny amount of them to make enzymes and hormones and by tiny amounts not very large there are macro minerals excuse me macro minerals which you need in larger amounts like calcium phosphorus magnesium sodium potassium chloride and sulfur there are trace minerals that you need in really small amounts iron manganese manganese that just
1: sounds so exotic it does it sounds like something good to eat Sounds like we're batteries.
0: (laughs) Iron, manganese, copper, iodine, zinc, cobalt, fluoride, and selenium. Zinc has gotten a lot of publicity as a way to boost your immune system to fight off bacteria and viruses. You know, I don't know that the data is 100% compelling, but I'm a big fan of the placebo. So if you take it and you don't get sick, great, good for you. With the onset of cold symptoms. Correct. Yep. Selenium is important for reproduction, thyroid gland function, DNA production, and another free radical protector. Iodine is important for your thyroid to work well. You need copper to make red blood cells, to maintain your nervous system and your immune systems, to form collagen and to produce energy. But as with all of these things, with all the minerals, you may need to limit how much you take in with certain health conditions. What do I mean what do I mean by that people with kidney disease you have to limit your high potassium foods so I don't want you to hear all this and go oh my God these sound amazing I just need a ton of them you really need like nano nano amounts not even large amounts and like I said most of us get enough of it in a normal healthy diet so that's sort of the nuts and bolts of vitamins and minerals I don't expect any of you to remember that I just thought it was kind of cool and interesting so I wanted to bring bring that information to you vitamins, people spend a lot of money on vitamins.
1: Wouldn't you say that, Eileen? They do. I find sometimes that people think they're a substitute for eating well. Yes. And, they're Yeah, and I don't think that's really a good idea. They really should be used as what the word is, as a supplement. And you use them when you can't get certain nutrients in your diet because of allergies or food sensitivities or choices you make. Yep. But you can't rely on them to say that you're getting a good diet. Correct.
0: Um, There isn't any data that I've come across that gives me a compelling reason to recommend a $500 bottle of vitamins as opposed to a 50, as opposed to a five. I think it's more important. Number one, the balanced diet is a priority. If for whatever reason that's not happening, then I'd rather you take some vitamins as opposed to the perfect organic, super expensive ones. What do you think?
1: I agree with you on that one. And and this is a problem for us as physicians because people come and ask us what what should I take?
0: Right. So that's a tough question for us to answer because the vitamins aren't necessarily related, regulated by the FDA like other drugs. They're not really considered medications. So we don't really have the
1: safety data to offer up to you, right? Because the government uh, there were there were some laws passed to make vitamins and minerals uh They were, they were regarded as supplements. So they're not, the manufacturers do not have to do clinical trials of new ingredients or supplements. There is some amount of faith that what you're getting is what you're getting. I agree. Bottom line, you really don't have to take them. You can. Uh,
0: This is an area where we would really encourage you to talk to your doc Talk to a nutritionist. I don't even think we've talked about nutritionists as people. They're an important factor in all of this,
1: right? They are.
0: How would you describe a nutritionist? I
1: think a nutritionist or registered dietitian is your go-to person when you need really specific information and advice about how you should eat. Yes, So we haven't gotten into it, but everybody has their own um, lifestyle, exercise amount, things they eat, things that they don't, and going to somebody who can... Come up with a plan that says, these are the things you should be eating. These are the amounts you should be eating. How can we get these into your diet on a regular basis in a way that you can do?
0: Yeah, I like that. A lot of us uh, will hear about a certain supplement because our friend's on it or a friend knows someone who took them and they worked really well. And not to take anything away from other people's experience, but each of us have our own unique system and it's going to react in its own unique way to different supplements. So this is where you know you really can't always expect to replicate somebody else's results.
1: And I also think that placebo effect is real. I love the placebo. So <laughs> what is placebo? Placebo. Uh, that is where you might take something. You might you it's might, a sugar pill. So yeah, the, let's say a sugar pill. The right, so sugar might make you feel better. I know. But, but something that's inert, that isn't necessarily damaging or beneficial, but because no you believe it is going to help you, it helps you. Right. So this is where belief and your the power of your own body and mind to make yourself better yeah. comes into play. And placebo effect for me is fine as long as you're not fooling yourself that you need that and that it's not costing you a lot of money.
0: Right. Yeah, I'm all about the placebo in certain situations. So if someone's coming at you at a gym or you see an ad on TV that your entire life is going to be changed with this $500 bottle of vitamins, be very skeptical. That's all I'm saying.
1: It still goes back to the, if it sounds too, too good, good to good be, to be true, true, it probably is yeah. too good to be yeah. true.
0: <laughs> so vitamins, minerals, we need tiny amounts, but we know that if you get too much or too little, it's a problem. How does this... What is the most common scenario that I hear about it is the 12-year-old checkup or the 14-year-old checkup where the mom looks at me and says, I want you to talk to so-and-so about how important it is to not be vegetarian or something like that, right? It comes up in an eating style.
1: The parent who has an agenda and it might be very valid that they want you to champion for them. Right. Uh, To be fair...
0: I think the number of eating styles or different eating patterns has sort of skyrocketed. I I hesitate to use the word diet because that has negative connotations to it. But it's really, un- and it's
1: unfortunate it does, right. Because your diet is what you eat. It shouldn't right. be you shouldn't be judged necessarily, but it is turned into this negative word, right? And you, know, you hear low carb,
0: low fat, intermittent fasting, vegans, vegetarians mediterranean diet then there's this whole 30 thing and keto for a lot of these nutritional plans there isn't a lot of good pediatric data about the safety or the efficacy of using any one of them as your day-to-day go-to lifestyle except for i want to say vegan and vegetarian i feel like there's good data about that yes there's good data about the mediterranean diet for adults um and then funny enough the keto diet i first heard about it
1: I would say in residency, wouldn't you say, Eileen? Yeah, the ketogenic diet, right? Be- and because they were using it as a way to to treat seizure, some types of seizures in right. children. So that diet for children is not something that is done for weight management, right. or For for health, it's really used for treating uh, an uh, seizure disorder,
0: right? And somewhere along the way, it somebody connected the dots that it also helps with weight management, and it's really kind of taken off. But I I, I hesitate to, to advocate it at all for long-term use in peds just because I don't think the data is there.
1: And interestingly enough, for me, besides the vegan and vegetarian, I find that a lot of parents or families will try things, and maybe they're successful, but then it eventually becomes eating in a healthier way overall with, without being that restrictive. So I, I often find it's not a, like you said, a long-term solution where they're very stringent about those things.
0: Right. So if we just focus on vegetarian and vegan, cause I feel like that's the most common thing that comes up. Mm-hmm. How would you differentiate between vegetarian and vegan? Cause even within vegetarian diets or vegetarian
1: eating plans, there's different types of vegetarians, Right. Right. There's there's vegetarian where you aren't having uh, uh, any, any animal products in the diet or vegan diets. And people do that for different reasons, because their friends are doing it, because they feel like it's healthier, because they think it's less impact on the environment, um, and because of ethical issues, because they don't want to cause... Um, the death of anything right so right you don't want to eat anything with a face <laughs> i love that you say that it makes me feel bad about eating meat when you say that <laughs> I, mean, I know <laughs> so maybe i'm going to have more than one or two vegetarian days a week now but but the difference is within those things so in in vegetarian diets you can have people that are lacto ovo so they eat they do dairy they do eggs but they don't eat chicken right. or or things with four legs, right? Or you could have somebody who's a pescatarian, so they eat fish, um, but they don't eat chicken or beef or other sources of um, animal protein. Um, I, so what do you
0: think... So keep putting aside the environmental and the personal ethical reasons for doing it, I think the diets that are... Sorry, the nutritional plans that are the most challenging to make sure you don't have a deficiency are probably the hardcore vegan ones. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, if there's any sort of animal protein, like your lacto-over or your pescatarian, you're less likely to have
1: a serious clinical deficiency. Would you say that? I would. Yes, definitely. That's that's absolutely true. We can talk about some of the nutritional risks uh, with that. One of the things that you sometimes see is that you don't get adequate iron in the diet, Um we talked about iron being important earlier for red blood cell production. Uh, animal pr- animal based um, proteins have heme iron, and that's more easily easily absorbed by the body. And iron from plants tends to be what we call non heme iron. It's not as easily absorbed.
0: You I didn't know that,
1: yeah. So you actually have a higher risk of getting anemia or huh. inadequate red blood cell production. Okay. which causes problems because that's what delivers oxygen all over your body. So when you're anemic, if you're anemic enough, you're going to get tired. That's your clinical presentation. But on a plant-based diet, you you may actually have to have higher levels of iron that you eat in order to absorb an adequate amount. So that's something to keep in mind. Hmm. Um, that's good to know. I didn't know that. What right. about
0: calcium? Because that's another thing that springs to mind. And
1: we haven't talked too much about calcium, but it's really important for your bones, for forming bones. And if you're, for most kids, they get a lot of calcium through dairy products, mm-hmm. and a lot of the dairy products like cow cow milk are vitamin D fortified, so you're getting your vitamin D as well. And uh, if you if you're not having whole milk, then you have to do something else. And a lot of the plant based milks are are calcium fortified. Okay. So you could get it through uh, calcium fortified uh, soy milk or, or almond milk, um, milk right. Milk, one of those, milk, whatever. Okay. Exactly. Um, and you can also get it through, I think broccoli's high in calcium. Yep. Almonds are high in calcium. If it's certain forms of tofu can be high in calcium, hmm. depending on how they're, that. um, precipitated. So those can be alternatives, but that's something also to pay, uh, pay attention to. Vitamin D again. If you're not getting it through a cow milk based product that's vitamin D fortified, you may need to take a supplement. And we, well, to be clear though, the amounts that are recommended are hard to get
0: with just diet alone, right? For you, for the AAP for kids, like sometimes even if you were to follow the ChooseMyPlate.gov, it could be hard to get those. So. Are you saying
1: for specifically for vitamin D or yeah. for all of these? Oh, no, yeah, for, for vitamin, vitamin D. D. Yes, because we're actually checking vitamin D levels right. on our teenagers often. And invariably everyone's either on the high side of the low or... The low too, side of the high. I mean, they're, yeah. they're, they're not getting enough. Yeah. The reading that I've done about maintenance of normal vitamin D levels for us is uh, that you can get it if you have exposure to the sun on your hands, arms, and face for 10 to 15 minutes a day in someone that's fair-skinned. And interestingly enough, if you have darker skin, it may take six to ten ten times longer. Hmm. Um, And many of us wear sunscreen, and I think that might also impact your ability to absorb vitamin D. So in the old days, when we were all out on the farms and (laughs) growing food and hunter-gatherers, we probably manufactured enough vitamin D because we were outdoors so much. Right. Uh, But that isn't the case now. So most... Most all of us, actually, even if you're not vegan, are going to have to be careful about getting that through fortified products or a a vitamin D supplement. That makes sense. Yeah. And then protein, this goes back to your choices about what kinds of proteins you have. There are nine essential amino acids that we need in our diet, and um, animal proteins give us all those amino acids, and uh, plant-based proteins do not so you may you may need to do multiple things. Uh, for instance, grains are low in an amino acid called lysine, but high in methionine. And legumes or beans are um, reversed in their uh, lysine and methionine content. So if you eat them together or on the same day, you're going to get uh, complete protein.
0: So the so beans and rice thing is real. Exactly. Okay.
1: And it's interesting how diets have evolved over... Time so that they naturally do that.
0: It is interesting, isn't it?
1: A lot of a lot of cultures eat rice and beans. Yeah, and it's not just because they taste good together; they actually are nutritionally complete. But I think people people unless they do the research don't understand that.
0: The old wives were pretty smart,
1: right? <laughs> okay, so
0: you got to up your protein, up your iron, up your calcium. Be careful about your vitamin D. What else would you say to people? Yeah,
1: the last thing that's really important is vitamin B12, otherwise known as cobalamin. That's found in meat, seafood, some dairy products. In vegan diets, you can only get it through fortified cereals, milk alternatives that have vitamin D12 added or that are fortified, and also in some fortified nutritional yeasts yes and and my friends that are vegan use nutritional yeast to add uh, a lot of flavor umami, umami to their food and apparently it's really good so i'm gonna have to try that
0: it is delicious so full disclosure i did a month 30 days of the whole 30 which is not for the faint of heart um there are some really good habits that you get though and there are some great food hacks that you can learn uh, I am back to being an omnivore, which I think is the new age term for I eat everything as long as it tastes good. But the nutritional yeast is, is, is prominent in the whole 30. And that's the first place I just dis- discovered it. And it's delicious. It's
1: really good. So that's kind of, so that's another place to get vitamin B12. Um, and if you aren't getting enough vitamin B12, This can also lead to anemia because it's an important part of red blood cell formation. And and again, if you don't get enough, you can start to show um, fatigue over time. The other important thing with this is it can take time before you actually develop enough low levels where you show symptoms. So just because you're okay for six months doesn't mean that you're getting all the things you need in your diet. Because for some of these things, it may take months or even a year before you have enough of a deficit that you're going to actually feel it. So just because you feel okay doesn't mean that you're actually getting all the nutrients you need.
0: That's a fair point. I I hear what you're saying. There are, I also think there is this idea that each one of us has a nutritional plan that works best for our system, whether that's vegan or vegetarian or what have you. I know a lot of people who try different nutritional styles and say they feel better on something and this is assuming they're doing the work to get all of their appropriate proteins and all the minerals and everything like that but i wonder the bottom line question that i will get a lot is is it safe and why are they doing it and i think after people have tried it and they recognize that they feel better on it then that could be a really powerful motivator but what are some of the reasons you're th- seeing for in particular, adolescents. I feel like a lot mm. of teenagers are doing this.
1: So a lot of teenagers are doing it because they're trying on a lot of different hats. They're not sure who they are yet or what they want to be. I mean, they're they're trying to figure out what they want to do. A lot of them are doing this because, again, they think it's healthier. All their friends are doing it. It's a little bit of a challenge. Um, it's a rebellion, right? It's, it, if you're, it, well, If
0: your family is a meat and potatoes kind of family and you decide you're going to be a vegetarian, that's like piercing your nose, right? For yeah, Right. Of it's, it
1: is a way of saying I'm separating myself, yep. which they are doing. They're starting to become, um, starting to work on becoming the adults that they're going to be. But the, the, the big thing that I worry about with teenagers is that they understand that they're making a choice Yep. and that a vegetarian or vegan diet can be um, can be safe and in, in some cases can be very healthy. Yep. But... If you're making that choice, you need to be careful about planning to get the right amounts of energy and protein and iron and all these things we talked about. Otherwise, it's going to become problematic. And and the other thing with teenagers is sometimes they make these decisions and it's behind it is a concern about their intake of food and developing an unhealthy relationship with food or disordered eating. So
0: let's talk about that. I feel like that footnote deserves a little bit of time we won't spend a lot of time on it on this episode but just as a heads up as I Dr. Eileen mentioned some sometimes there's like a hyper focus on eating clean that is that can carry with it this undertone of anxiety Uh, not everybody who eats clean is anxious not everybody's anxious eats clean but But sometimes the two can go hand in hand. So it's worth, I think, observing.
1: I I don't know about you, but I've seen, unfortunately, I see some eating disorder in my practice. And it used to be uh, an eating disorder where people would limit amounts of food they ate. Like the anorexia nervosa, the
0: limiting food intake.
1: Yes, and now what I'm seeing is that the teenagers are coming and saying, well, I started by just trying to eat healthier. I cut out this or I cut out that. And then it becomes a, oh, I'm only eating healthy foods. Yeah, but the it's, disordered eating. But then it really becomes I'm only eating healthy foods, but I'm only eating these four things.
0: And that's a real thing. Um, I see it a lot in the context of elite athletes, the kids who are distance runners or competition level gymnasts. Or I'm not picking on these sports because they're bad in and of themselves. I just... I know that, that I see a lot of that. So just for, I think for completeness purposes, it, I tell parents you can be super healthy on a vegan or vegetarian diet. It just involves more work on your part. And there are lots of cultures where being vegan or vegetarian is the norm. I mean, I come from India and there's a lot of hardcore vegans in India and they're pretty darn healthy. So it just, I think, requires paying attention, like you said, planning and being aware that it's a choice and it's it as long as you're aware of that and you take that on it can be
1: great yes it can and again your your nutritionist or registered registered dietitian can help you with this your uh, pediatrician can also help with this and i think a pediatrician's role is good in advising the teenager when they do this so it's another place to say you're making this choice Mm -hmm. please do it in a healthy way
0: so the one thing I will tell you is, I don't know about you, but I think I had one lecture on nutrition in medical school, and that was it. Yeah, same. And so a lot of what I've learned over the years, some of it is reading. A lot of it is personal experience, I think. Um, I mean, we're all human beings. And like I said, I tried the whole 30 because I had had so many friends go through it who who really had some big impacts. So... You, I think for the most thorough conversation around nutrition, a nutritionist is your go-to person because that's what they study. Uh, a pediatrician can be a phenomenal resource, but it also may be a situation where you're going to work with your pediatrician and bring what you know to the table and what they know to the table and then come to something together. What do you think?
1: I, I think that's really a good way to phrase it. And also because there's so much literature that is really good now yeah. that you can look at the concrete data about serving size again and what you should have and, and apply that with help. Yep.
0: Yeah. So that was good. So that was like, this is our second part in nutrition. Our nutrition conversation is actually a three parter in case you haven't figured it out. And we really encourage you to tune into the third part uh, because there is a lot to cover and it's really hard to do it all in one conversation
1: right and we're going to get into the organics i'm just going to do the plug we're going to get into <laughs> the organics versus not organics and oh people have very strong opinions oh, about oh yes that. they so, do so stay so tuned we're tune talk in about that at the next time yeah we hope to we hope that you join us again
0: yeah go get some nutritional yeast bye
1: bye